Welcome to Share Truth Apply Scripture, the radio program of EngageMagazine.net. You can go to EngageMagazine.net to find our most recent articles. You, there you can also click and subscribe to our biannual magazine, as well as find some more of our uh, social media content. And if you're uh, wondering where Jordan is and you're surprised this is not him, this is Wesley Wildman. I also host, as many of y'all know, but Jordan's absent today. And in his place, we have a special guest that we'll get to here shortly, Cedra. Glad to Hi, be here. I'm still here. You're still here? Jordan <laughs> keeps playing hooky, but I'm still here always. I know. I just wonder at this point if he's doing it just to get me back for all the times that I've missed. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> Probably. Well, um, we're, we're really excited about this program today. It's got a very difficult topic, a very tough topic to talk about. Um, and a topic that's not uh, widely discussed. Um, you, uh, CJ, um, I mean, when I've done, we're going to get to, I'm, I'm teasing it a little bit, but, okay. but some of the times that I've looked into this, you have to you have to do a couple clicks and a couple searches or, you know, go to the back of the store, the bookstore to find something on this. It's not widely talked about why, why it is a major issue in the church. Yeah, it's a very difficult topic. I, I think one of the least talked about in church, you know, I don't hear just a ton of sermons discussing this because it is such a hard thing. But, and this, I mean, of course, we're talking about not just, I mean, sin, of course, but a specific sin. And we're going into the topic of sexual sin and sexual addiction, which uh, when you think addiction, I think most people think alcohol and drugs, and then they don't really think about like sexual things being an addiction, and they can be. And oh, they are for yeah. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we sure. have a lot of our sisters and brothers in our churches who are who are struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's such you know because it's not talked about. I think they also find it hard to come out and and seek the help they need. Yep. So, and we're going to dive into that. We have a lot we want to talk about. And we have a special guest to talk about that with us. Um, but before we get into the topic, I would like to introduce our guest, Hannah Harrison. Welcome. Hello. Hey guys, hey. we've let and you come a few times. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. back she, again. She's back again. That means she must have done everything right, and she did good. <laughs> yes. she, she behaved. Praise and, Jesus. And she was on time and everything. She was good, good. Well, we're glad to have you back. Um, and I appreciate you handling this topic in a written form. The name of the title of the article that she has written, you can find on EngageMagazine.net, and the title is Equipping the Church Equipping the Church to Handle Sexual Addiction. I will say, um, just to go ahead and give a plug to our friends of The Stand, the official blog of the American Family Association, The Stand, you can go to AFA.net and f- click on The Stand. It's real easy to find them. And uh, we kind of sometimes uh, look at their content, and they, and they actually ran this article first. Good. But Good catch, it's Sandra. such it's such an important topic that we yeah, felt like we, we stole wanted to sh- it. Yeah, we stole it. <laughs> you were going to say them- borrowed. We stole it. <laughs> we stole it. We did give them props. We always give them props if yes. we use if we use yeah. anything that they uh, had. But this was such a an important article we felt like. So mm-hmm. we wanted the engaged audience to also read it. Yes, and Hannah Harrison, as we introduced earlier, she's the author. And you can also go there and click Hannah Harrison as author. She's got all types of articles yep. over the past three or three, three years It'll now? It'll be two years in May. Two years in May, okay. Mm-hmm. 
All right, now, but you, is that official or is that including your intern time? Including my, well, that's when I first came with my internship. Okay, so. good, good. Yep. Well, I'm glad you've been here for this long. All right, before we get into this stuff, okay. tell our audience or remind them, what do you do here at AFA? And then I got one more question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a staff writer here at AFA. I really work primarily in the journal department. Um, so I write for our written magazine once a month. I do a couple of articles for there. And then I also write for the stand and also engage. So Good, good. And you notice I didn't, I told you I got another question. I didn't want to give yeah, you five so at one hard. time. <laughs> have you ever been on those? Have you ever been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 have you, have you ever been in those uh, conversations or where are those times where people say, and they, they give like four or five questions, and like extended question, mm-hmm. and you're like, which one do I answer first? first right, right, I didn't right. do that to you. I appreciate that. I did that. I we're, appreciate on, it. we're on radio, and I wanted to wanted to keep it keep it real for us. So next question. Okay. Why um, are most of the, most, I, I, the least that I've seen, the ones that are most popular uh, articles that you've written have to do with... <laughs> A popular meaning, you know, a lot of clicks, right, a lot of right. likes, a lot of views has to do with the topic of sexual addiction, uh, human trafficking, and along those same lines, which all those come from the same vein. So mm-hmm. well, how did you have such a, how did you develop such a passion or, or a concern for those that are either trapped in this lifestyle or, or being trafficked or, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm Right. Yes, I do. Um, so... It kind of goes back to my senior year in high school. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, you know, kind of praying about it. And um, the Lord really opened my eyes to the sex industry. Mm. And when I say that, growing up in the South, I guess I always had this um, this idea of what those women did, why they were mm. there. They wanted to be there. It was sure. this, it was that, whatever. And then really, honestly, one day the Lord just kind of woke me up and he said, Hey, Hannah. Um, I love them just as much as I love you. Mm. And they are worthy and they, you know, they can be saved. They need help. And so when I started realizing that and digging into just the different sections of the sex industry, because the sex industry includes, you know, it includes pornography. It includes prostitution. It includes brothels and all of these different things and human trafficking. And so it's not just one area. Mm. Um, and all of these things contribute, um, especially to sex trafficking, which is really where my heart is. Um, and so I think that the best way to help handle these situations is to first bring awareness. Mm. And so that's really where my heart is. And and with your ministry, and, and how long have you had that? You said since about then Senior high year in high school, so high probably school. about six years maybe. Okay, and you're six or seven years as you've studied this um, to the degree that you have. Have mm-hmm. you found to be true what I said at the beginning, or is it just my just Wesley's uh, perspective that the, this topic is not being discussed like we're about to do, like right, right. here on public radio discuss? Mm-hmm. Is that true? I mean, it's not it's not common at least. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And um, I was on with Will and considering Mickey. the problem that it is, right? That's, yes, okay. and we were kind of talking about it, and and I told them, you know, like I've never heard even sex trafficking hardly brought up in a sermon, yes. and. You know, as long as I've been in church, and I and I understand too the nature of the topic. Yep. That's, that's if fair. you've got children in there, but I still think it should be addressed. That's fair. And, and there are other ways to do so. Yeah. Um, but no, I I've never I never really heard anything about it until I started researching. Cedra, I know you, I'm going to let you jump in here in just a second. Let me say this: when you said, "Oh, uh, <laughs> you're, you're laughing at me," why are you laughing at me? <laughs> well, she just made a face. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry, the, I didn't mean it. I didn't. The, I don't even realize I did it. And the face was at me. It's okay. <laughs> I, I can take it. Love it. Um. Uh. So, 
But to your point, though, um, I do agree, and and that is fair, that there are things like this topic that are mm-hmm. sensitive in the sense that you do have to be mindful of your audience when you begin to talk about it. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. there is a way to do it. And what I, not on this particular topic, but another one that was um, equally sensitive, when I was growing up, the church I was raised in, mm-hmm. the pastor would, um, before we dove into that particular issue, he would say, hey, if you're not a member or, um, now in this case, the, mem- the non-member wouldn't apply. Right. But he would say, if you're not a member or if you have children, um, now is a good time, you know, for y'all to, you know, work right. your way out or leave whatever because right. this is where we're about to judge it up. Mm-hmm. So that was one approach you could take in this particular topic is to give your uh, congregation a week's notice or whatever mm-hmm. for in case they had, you know, kids that were 15 and under, 18 or whatever they thought the age was. Right. So it can be done mm-hmm. and, and it needs to be done. So I just want to elaborate a little bit more on that. Cedra? Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with both of y'all not hearing a lot about this. Um, and it didn't really occur to me as a kid. You know, I grew up in church. My mom always had us in church for as long as I can remember, and um, so we're there every time the doors were open. And and looking back, I mean, of course, our pastor might have like kind of just kind of grazed over the surface of it, just said something about sexual sin and stuff. But I don't think we ever dove really deep into it and um and i but i i would know kind of about some of the members you know that they go home and and things weren't like they were Mm -hmm. in the pew Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about we're not just we're we're talking about everybody but a lot of the people that you sit next to at church or you see and you greet every morning are the are the people that we are uh discussing right now who are hurting and then they don't know how to get away from this and they don't know where to turn because no one ever addresses it. They don't know how to mm. how to uh until you open up that dialogue. That's there, it. it yeah, right. yeah. Because there's a lot of shame, rightfully so, sure. attached to this. It's like who do you go to? Who do you mm-hmm. talk to? Yep. The title of the article that Hannah Harrison, our guest here, and staff writer for AFA and guest writer for Engage has written is called Equipping the Church to Handle Sexual Addiction. You can go to engagemagazine.net to read the article. It was first posted and written on the stand at afa.net. Go check out there. And um, uh, so that's the title. Now let's get into the, the some of the specifics of the article. So yeah. what? give us a, a, a 30-second or 15, 15 30-second uh, synopsis, or at least of the introduction, and okay. then, then people can go read it for themselves. Okay. Um, so really... When I wrote this, it was right after the shootings in Atlanta happened Mm -hmm. um, at the um, massage parlors. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really stuck out to me in that story was that the shooter later told police that he came to, quote, eliminate his temptations, end Mm. quote. And so I think that that's one thing to look into. And you never know, really. You don't know anybody's motives of their heart. But if let's take it, him it, from well, that. But in this case, I, I agree with you in that. In, in most cases, I always start from that position, mm-hmm. you know, not to insert motives just to let, you know. Over, right. But in this particular case, I would say he gave it. He he, he told us his motives. Yeah, I think so, too. So, so I agree with you yes, on that. Yes, okay. I just be, wanted you're, to... you're safe there to keep going on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so because he also struggled with sexual addictions um, as well, and the media really marketed this as um, an Asian hate crime story. 
um, just because the media likes to twist things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, hey. and kind of graze right over it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you I go. I interrupted you. No, you go. go. I'm good. Well, I was just going to say, and this is a topic for another day. We can expound on it more when we have Jordan back and may even have Hannah if she wants to be a part of this. Definitely see. We may have eight people in here. We'll have the whole engaged staff. Team. But uh, hate crimes uh, biblically is not uh, is not biblical. Hate crimes because mm-hmm. if you were to uh, say one crime is more important than another based on someone's skin color or based on someone's nationality or race, that inherently is racist. <laughs> so right, so, so, absolutely. So I just want to make that point, but that's yeah. something we can discuss another day. But I know that's going to get our at least that got the so, I, at, at least those, yeah at least all those that were listening or, or weren't listening are now listening yep, now. Yep, <laughs> yep. So go ahead. Um. So well, I mean that's really just kind of the introduction. Um. And. I have my own theories about some of these massage parlors, but mm. that's a that's another topic for another day too. Um, we'll have but, you back for that. Yeah, we'll come back for that. There's <laughs> some trafficking stuff that goes with that too. But so, well, okay, in this particular case, I don't know the details of this ma- massage parlor. So, is it legal? Or? It's legal. Um, so, I did some research on each of them as well, and they're 24 hours. Um, seven days a week parlors. They have the back door with the windows that are all, you know, kind of dim and covered mm-hmm. and dark. And um, one of the um, neighboring businesses, I think he was like a barber or something, he said he never saw anybody come in, you know, during the daytime hours. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a like yeah, nighttime. Nighttime. And I'm not going to tell people to go look at those ads because, yeah, but, sure. but, if you Google enough, you yeah. can find some right other and it's and it and this is in the state of Georgia, Georgia and Atlanta, Atlanta mm-hmm. and it's legal and it, it would just be similar to what you would define as a brothel, or not quite. I'm I'm not sure technically. Okay. Um, I know that if you Google kind of sex trafficking and massage parlors, yeah. that is a it's a big number. Yeah, um, I just I, the reason I'm asking the question, I'm just I'm personally just absolutely surprised something like that's legal but mm-hmm. i mean i, and I sh- don't think yeah. that it yeah. is i mean yeah. i'm sure if under the well, guise of a massage yeah. parlor it probably is but now what right. they're doing under the table well, or whatever is gotcha a little bit more and i I'm think track with you. Okay, and gotcha. i think that makes sense too when you hear him say eliminate his temptation because why are you gonna go shoot up a massage I, parlor well, like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So there's something more there that also the media is just not covering. Not and I could yeah. find or, it online. Or not doing their investigation. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, right. And I think, you know, looking at it, it, it wasn't hatred towards the race of the individuals. Well, right. That just happens to be the people that were, quote unquote, working in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they just happen to be Asian. I think it goes more to a hatred towards the sin and towards himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I'm not saying, like, I'm not here to condone or take up for the actions obviously um i just you know think we need to kind of correct what what the hatred is directed towards in that in the story and so my next question following the article that you've written Mm -hmm. um is that and you made and i highlighted here i'm going to read it it's this is the point as i was reading it that i thought you know what that's that's probably makes up 70 80 percent of people in america including in totalitarian, not not, not segmented right. church, non-church, mm-hmm. but it says this. So why are <clears throat> so why are we really surprised that this type of behavior is happening? I mean, so long as no one gets hurt, it's consensual. It's all good, right? And you said wrong, mm-hmm. and then you went on to explain the ramifications of it. So you got to think that many 
I mean, the reason it's not talked about is because many people think it's the live and let live, personal choice, all these types of excuses mm-hmm. um, of why it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. People are are, are are either ignoring, I think they're just ignoring, I don't think they're ignorant of it, I think they're just absolutely ignoring the, the, the reality and the ramifications is the language you used of this type of addiction and this type of immorality. So share with us some of the ramifications from mm-hmm. this immorality. I mean, some of just a few um, of sexual addictions would be human trafficking. You've got the broken families. You've got, you know, the the people themselves and their own hearts that are troubled and hurting. I mean, there's STDs. There's just all sorts of different. And then, you know, the 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 victim herself or his self, whoever, mm. um, what sh- the position she's in or he's in, why is she doing this? Does she feel like she has to do this? You know, and I just think yep. there's a long list of it. And um, kind of like what you were just talking about where I was talking about how it, as long as no one, it hurts no one. Too, I mean, on every TV station, on every social media page, we, you, sex. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Cardi B on the Grammys. It's it's everywhere, oh, and it's yes. so n- quote unquote normalized that why do people think why would it be a big yeah. deal that this well, is a I problem? Yeah, I can't tell you the number of TV shows I've started because they looked interesting and had to mm-hmm. stop because they were too sexual. Mm-hmm. Like, and it goes I quick. Mean, out, and outright, like, and outright, the number of shows that you will see that are just available, like on Netflix or wherever. Mm-hmm. That you can any anybody can just click on if they have an account, and you get into it, and it's not, you know, just a little sexual. I mean, f- you know, full nudity it's, sexual. Yeah, it's bad. And it's it's really bad. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the things you'd have to define when we talk about this is is hurt because when you when people you know mm-hmm. act like you know live and live nobody gets hurt. Well, that just you'd have to define hurt because I don't know anybody. That I I don't know anybody personally that struggled with this that I've talked to that didn't that wasn't hurting in some capacity. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when people beforehand, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So when people say you know they're not hurting anybody, uh, that's not that that is just that's a lie, mm-hmm. um, and that's just or 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 a bad a definition of hurt because just because somebody is not getting physically getting stitches or some type of you know right. you know the or pain, and, yeah. yeah, the emotional side mm-hmm. of it. Um, and the long-term uh, ramifications, if mm-hmm. as you described, those are the pain and the hurt and the uh, consequences, the ramifications, as you, as you mentioned, of what happens. So those things, when they say that, are not true. Right. There mm-hmm. are consequences right, exactly, for this. Right, exactly, absolutely. Um, and, and, and it's yep. devastating. Mm-hmm. Well, looking at the numbers, it, it always floors me, the numbers of users who uh, – view pornography on a regular basis and there are a lot of our I mean church going people there are a lot of pastors and and people who work in the church who are struggling with that Mm -hmm. because I mean and it's so readily available and uh, and then there's such a movement of people who are trying to treat it like it's empowering to women to work in the pornography industry like it like it's a it's female empowerment and I'm like Mm, yeah that's a whole nother uh, podcast (laughs) that's a whole nother thing so that you've got people who are who are not just allowing it to happen, but trying to treat it like it's a good thing, like it's a good mm-hmm. thing. It's, and that's and, bizarre. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is, the pornography and the uh, human trafficking hand in hand. 
together. All of it. And, like, yeah. I mean, there's so many different, like, abortion plays into the human trafficking. Mm. Foster care. A lot of the foster mm-hmm. care kids get pulled into trafficking. There are so many different connections to this industry mm. and this particular topic. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, as, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, this is a very tough topic to talk about, but it needs to be discussed. Hannah has done her due diligence on this topic for the last several years, uh, especially the last couple of years here on staff at AFA. So we appreciate your ministry. We thank you for thank what you. you do. Appreciate it. And um, and you can go to engagemagazine.net. We'll have her article up there. It's called Equipping the Church to Handle Sexual Addiction. And as we continue to talk about it, we've got about six and a half minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that the church can help um, as you know, as the congregants or the pastors, or be able to be proactive on mm-hmm. this as opposed to reactive. Now, obviously, don't not react to I mean, right, if right, you're right. in that situation. But mm-hmm. how can we be proactive? And I think we kind of talked a little bit about um, you know the church services and how we think it's you know to protect younger kids. You don't mm-hmm. want to just have it. Mm-hmm. Sure. But you can have, I mean, I know at my church we have Wednesday night classes. You, you could have an accountability group. You could have, you know, maybe a couple of men if you know somebody because it's not something they're just going to come forward and say right. usually, yes. hey, I'm struggling with this. If right. you have these groups where they know it's safe and you know that you can help them, that's a good idea or just a ministry even for couples who may have been affected by this sin mm-hmm. if they need counseling or whatever the case may be. And I will say that the average age of porn exposure is 11. Mm-hmm. So it's something Golly. that parents really need to be clued in on. And take serious. And take serious. It, all yes. of this is, a lot of it happens, I think, because parents are just so unaware that, yeah. oh, well, if a kid has access to internet, they have access to anything. They yes. do. It's not like pornography used to be where you had to go buy a Playboy, you know? Right. It's it's in their hands. And so I think the church could do that as well as uh, as a ministry just to equip parents mm. um, and train them on what to look for and find apps. There's all kinds of online filters and different types of material that you can use to teach and to put on your devices to block it. Um, and I, I mean, those are just a couple, but um, I think the church most definitely has got to step up in this yeah. area. Do um, your research. Yes. You know, do your research mm-hmm. on the things. Like if, if you're sitting there going, I don't know anything about technology that my kids are using, go do your research. It is so easy to look up YouTube tutorials on, mm-hmm. on, on the technology and learn how to use it. And then you know how to address things with your kids. I had two different um, people that I follow that I looked up to um, that were uh, Bible teachers and they both said the, the same thing at different occasions, and they don't know each other. And it was one of those things that was like confirmation to mm-hmm. me. And they both said that until you're until you feel as if your child is equipped to um, handle the uh, how do you handle pornography, meaning right. that you can mm-hmm. say no to it, and you mm-hmm. know how to handle handle the saying no to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to phrase that. But until they're able to do that, then they shouldn't have a phone. I agree. Because yeah. they, that, I mean, that, they said, they <laughs> said, until you feel like they're equipped to do that, mm-hmm. then that's, then that's, that's kind of the timeline of them getting a phone. Because once you have a smartphone, 
I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, that's it. it yeah, you can't I mean, stop that. So, um, and if you're thinking but, my kid needs this phone to contact me because they have practice and stuff, there are plenty, there are plenty of, of phones there, without there, internet. There are yeah. other options out yep. there. If plenty you have a flip phone, phone. Yeah. Call, be fine. So yeah. they can just call and text you, yep. and that's all they can do. Then look yeah, into someone's you, and, and and this who who cares? You know about what people think about. You know, a flip phone versus a smart. We're not it, when you're as a Christian, as a as a follower of Christ. There's far more at stake than what people think about us, mm-hmm. or people, mm-hmm. uh, or or what you think people think about us. Um, the point is, we have to be diligent for our children's sake, for our own sake. And so, I appreciate you giving us a couple of steps here. Did you have any recommendations on filters? Um, there's an app called Bark. Like like a dog bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> um, that you can put on your kids' phones, and um, it allows your kid to still kind of have that privacy aspect, but sure. it will send you alerts gotcha. if something pops up or if there's gotcha. a kind of a breach in anything. That's the one I really like. Um, but Covenant Eyes is another good a- accountability one. Mm-hmm. Um, I got friends that which, use that. Yeah, account- Covenant Eyes. It's, it's good it's for really the good. adults too. So mm-hmm. if you're struggling with something like that, it's something like pornography or anything like that. That's something good to have to help yourself, not mm-hmm. just kids. And I'm pretty sure they have a church program too. I could be wrong oh, about cool. that, but I'm, I'm I know that they have something. Mm-hmm. And then always like Nicosi National Center of Sexual Exploitation. They'll have a lot of recommendations as well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So. Sadra, we got about a minute and a half. I got yep. one thing left. You got anything? I'm going to let you do it. I want okay. to have time to cover what you got. Okay, good. All right, last thing. Um, we've we've kind of mentioned this off and on or maybe a couple of times in this program, but do you, what is the importance of the pastor talking about this and the importance of the church leading the way? I think it's important because, I mean, first of all, it's a sin, and you want to address yes. that, um, but— I respect my pastor 100%. And I think that when you have someone in that position talking about this subject and being real about it, Mm -hmm. not just shaming people because they're stuck in the sin because it's a sin, they're trapped, Mm -hmm. Um, and just shining a light on how there is hope to get out of it and Mm -hmm. how we can help and how we can break these change. It just changes the whole game, not just for that person, but for this entire industry. You're just going to see... People, I mean, if people stop buying and watching, then the demand yeah. goes down. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. And I think that what a better place for that to start than the church. Absolutely. The importance of the pulpit we have seen is crucial. I would say, I've said many, many times before, the number one problem in America is the breakdown of the family. Mm-hmm. And number two is the silence is of the pulpit. Now, there's great... I, mean, I, I have great. been for many years the last person to criticize a church because I think the church does a lot of good things mm-hmm. and the church is, has its issues like anything else and they work through those things. Nonetheless, the more and more and the older I get and the more I visit church and stuff, the more I am discouraged of, of the lack of courage for courage not compassion we've got good, good compassion we do we mm-hmm. need some more courage from the pulpit and mm-hmm. again there everything rises and falls on leadership well we are out of time thank you hannah for being on the program thanks for having me thank you Cedra. you're welcome we always remember to continue to share truth and apply scripture